Welcome everybody and what was up to another edition of um across the pitch with myself, Dave Lerner. <laughs> it's man funny. It's been a long, long day. Long, long day. NFL's just starting, everything everything's scrambled in my head. Apologies for another edition across the pitch. Myself, Dave Miller, Mike Brera. We've got a lot to digest tonight. Not just the game last week, which Mike will give us a brief uh, review of, but the last three months of union union action really. I mean it's been um, probably it's been up and down, more downs and ups. But we're going to really see what's been going wrong with the union. What results perhaps have either misled us into thinking this team is better than it is, or perhaps results and performances that obviously have left us more frustrated and are bigger indication of where this season is going. Um, obviously, we'll kick it off. Obviously, I think with the thing that happened Maurice, uh, um, sort of more recently, which was the New England game, Mike. So, if you want to give us that. Um, brief review before we dive into the news and notes and dissect. Yeah, man, it's good to finally get back to Union. I know it's a long break for us fans right now. It's about 12 game, 12 day gap between games, between uh, New England and Club America. So we have a lot to kind of, we've had a lot of time to think about this club and that's what we wanted to do this three month review. We wanted to go back to the Portland game. What happened post Portland, which kind of snowballed into this team going from a you know, elite club, a top club, whatever you want to call them to a, a club that might not even make the playoffs this year. Um, so just going back to new England, you know, a lot of fans are upset with the result from new England, which I don't think is completely fair. You have eight players missing. New England's only missing. I believe it was four players total. Uh, you have a bunch of teenagers playing and it's, it's, you can't say that you're necessarily upset that they lost. Cause you kind of knew that they were going to, you were, they were going against the best team in the league, whether they were down four players or not. So I'm not surprised that they lost, but I think one of the most upsetting parts of the game was just the, the poor offensive execution again, where you thought that maybe these kids would spark some energy. There was some energy spark, but then you just couldn't put it together again. And, and I think that's what was most frustrating for everybody. And you see uh, the, the goal given up and it, it was, is one of those where it just kind of summarizes this entire year. And one, one moment in particular, when Bedoya was going down towards the goal, he was about six yards out and he just passes his passes it into the box rather than shooting the ball, which is everyone was calling him Ben Simmons at that point. Like, you know, he, he just, everybody's afraid to shoot on this team. Nobody wants to just take, you know, take the horse by the reins and score. So it was disappointing. Uh, one of the highlights of, of my n- night watching that game was watching Jack McGlynn play. I know you and I were talking on Twitter before the match started, and we were saying what would be better, having Flock up farther up or having McGlynn up farther up. And Matt Ralph mentioned, you know, having McGlynn back there yeah. allows him to be kind of like Harris 2.0, which I thought he was in the first half. I thought McGlynn was awesome. And I, th- I feel like we were missing so much of that forward movement with the ball from the past three and a half months, three months. Uh, so that was a bright spot. You know, the Leon flock had some offensive moments, but he just does not seem to be good enough offensively. He either looks like he's about to fall over. He doesn't have a good enough strike on, uh, at the goal, etc. So I don't want to get too much into it. There were some positives, there were some negatives, but you can't, you can't take too much out of a game that had eight people missing in it. You just can't. No, yeah. I think, yeah, summed up perfectly. There was a game where the Union was going to be shorthanded. It was going to be a game which you were probably looking more for a response as opposed to um, 
Yeah, you're looking more for a response in the, from the actual team in the performance as opposed to the previous game, which they looked lackluster. They didn't. They pretty much didn't create anything against DC. So you're hoping to see something positive. You can take positives out of the game, which, as you mentioned, you have the young players played well. They looked better on the ball. They were able to actually keep possession for periods of play. So, yeah, I think they obviously were positives, as you mentioned. But, I mean, as someone that didn't watch the game, unfortunately, I had to travel. At like set that I had to get up at 6 a.m. in the morning so I couldn't watch the game. Uh, it just seemed like an, it sort of seemed like another union game. It's where the confidence is low going forward. They feel fine on the ball, but once they get within 20 yards of the goal, they get the yips. They can't shoot. They can't. They don't make the right decisions. They don't cross the ball when they need to cross the ball. And it's been, I think, it summarised the last three months of the union of union of like the union's performances really. Um, I was going to say, obviously, being in Jim's press conference this week, he seemed quite positive in the press conferences, as he always does. But he seemed quite confident as well in the fact that, like, these players are going to get back to basics. Well, he keeps saying getting back to basics, but at what point, what are the basics? You need to, we don't actually know what the basics are. We need to actually, we need to see what these basics are. Um, he said that this break, this two-week break, is going to give these players a lot, a lot of time to rest, to recover, and that could probably possibly help them. But I think the issue is it's not physical. It doesn't feel like that um, these problems are physical. It feels like it's more mental. They don't believe in themselves and have the trust in each other to make the right decisions to pull things off. And you see it so often when they get the ball around the box and you've got Shiburko in there, one on one with the defender. You think if you put the ball in, he's got a really good chance to win the ball. Or if you've got three men in the box against two, and then you'll just think, just put the ball in the box, you've got a great chance. And they just start jittering around, passing the ball, doing one-twos with each other, and then lose the ball and the possession's gone. It's happened so often. It's happened so many games. Um, I think it's just a frustrating thing. I think Jim, perhaps Jim potentially knows that this is a mental thing. He's trying to work on it. He doesn't want to bring it up. He doesn't want to mention it or bring it up publicly, which I think obviously is probably a better thing to do as a manager. You want to protect your players. Right. Um, but obviously some of the bigger news this week was that uh, – it appears that uh, Bueno has now got his um, got his visa, and Jim yes. has obviously spoken highly of him. Says he's um, he's been training for the last few days. He's come into the team. He's matched up very well, very good with the players. He's he, um, alluded to how clean, how how good his range of passing is, how he's uh, how he can play the ball in between the lines, which is obviously perhaps something the union are missing. But with in terms of like a direct a player that can get the ball, who can take the risky passes and play the direct sort of balls. That, um, perhaps a player like Jose Martinez, Leon Flack, Cali Bedoya wouldn't, which obviously is quite an exciting thing to hear. Um, I think that's about it. It's been a really quiet week for the Union. It has, yeah. Obviously with no games, obviously international games are coming on. It appears that no one's been injured during this international break, which is always good. Um, <laughs> they made it through it. <laughs> made it through in escape, yeah. which is always nice, but you know, yeah, I think there's been a quiet week. Obviously, the Gotham FC match for Cardi Lloyd's last ever game has been moved to Philadelphia. So she'll be playing, uh, her, I believe it's her final ever game in um, at Subaru Park. Right, right. They've, nice been, touch. they've been posting that online. So that, that's great. I mean, she's a local South Jerseyan like I am. So it's we've always been a big supporter of, of Carly, Carly. And we're very excited to see, you know, it's unfortunate to see her career end, but it's great to look back on everything she's done for the, for the yeah. team and for the country. Exactly. She's a great player. Uh, she's been a great player for in the American game. She's obviously helped build the game up to what it is today, not just with 
um, not just for uh, women and girl, young young girls, but probably for um, men as well. Men, when when you speak about uh, US football, people don't just go Clint Dempsey, Landon Donovan. They go Cardi right. Lloyd, Megan Rapinoe, Juliet's which is probably where it's a lot different in comparison to mainland Europe, where we speak about the England team. It's Raheem Sterling, Harry Kane, Harry Maguire, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice. Whereas if you got, and obviously with France, is Mbappe, Griezmann, Pogba. You don't really speak about the women, you don't really speak about the women players, which is obviously a big shame because over here, especially in England, the game is growing. It's continued to grow the women's game. We're getting more coverage of it, which is fantastic. But with America, it's obviously ingrained. The, the women's game is ingrained with alongside if not above the men's game which is obviously quite um obviously it's very it's a very very unique situation it's very um, unique i mean you yeah. I, I go back to when i was growing up you know i'm 30 years old so i was maybe oh god seven or eight years old and i was watching mia ham and uh i think what's her name chest brandy chest i can't remember right now her, her last name i'm sorry whoever's listening if they can remind me um but i mean they won a world cup the carl lloyd team has won a world cup they've all they've played at the highest level and they've won at the highest level yeah. so for years i mean we've had some american teams that were very good and, and competitive but we've also had a lot of bad american soccer and we've We've been a laughing stock at times of, of soccer, especially when we missed the World Cup. Yeah. So the women do hold a very high standard, which is great because it, it pushes them. I would hope that it pushes the men in the right direction to be better and, and to be like the other countries that talk about the men over the women. Yeah. But, but I love it. I love, I love seeing the women play. They're, they're just an awesome, awesome team. That's what I mean. It's also great. It's going to be great for. I'm sure she'll get a great homecoming. It'll be a great oh, crowd course. there. So obviously, that's great to see. Um, obviously, that's probably about the only other piece of really relevant union news that's occurred this week. Obviously, we've got um, an email regarding the playoffs. I think regarding the playoff schedule, but that's far away. We don't need to talk about that right now. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll get. We'll get there. <laughs> let's yeah. let's, say, let's dive into the real uh, nitty gritty stuff, which uh, yeah. obviously is. The union's results and form of the last three months, uh, it's not been the prettiest, to say the least. Uh, no. Obviously, it started off on May 30th, heading into the summer with 3 0 win against Portland. Right. Things were looking very good at that point. I believe the union were probably second or third in the table, only a few points behind New England. And everyone was sort of feeling positive. It was a great performance, very dominant. And then I think, then obviously, a week later, they come into Atlanta. So what, yeah, no. So May thirtieth, they go. They play, they host Portland, and I think we agreed that was probably one of the best performances we've seen from them in yeah. a, in, in a, a year and a, and a half. They played a strong. I remember the first half in general was just a great first half. They closed the game out. It was awesome to see. But then, unfortunately, you have that momentum, and if I remember correctly, you were second or third at the table, and you finally had erased what happened in the MLS first few the first few weeks MLS where you're focused on CONCACAF you're doing well in CONCACAF but you're losing to Miami at home you can't you you get the red card against NYCFC and the red card we'll talk about from New England I, I forgot to mention all the drama that happened in that game I, I completely yeah. forgot about that we'll talk about that at towards the end of, the, of this segment but you have this such this positive momentum going into into May 30th and then the break comes and you have the next match isn't until Atlanta on 620. So what is that? 
uh, 20 days later, 21 days later, three weeks later, you're playing, you're playing against Atlanta. And, and as you remember, that was the, the Jacob Glessons game yeah. where he ties up. So what, 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 when you watch that match, what, what was the feeling of the, of the club in your mind for when you got to Atlanta? Well, I think it was, I mean, all in all, I think coming out of the game was a good field game. The Union were two, not that, or two, not, two goals down late against a good Atlanta team. Uh, and then to, I think in any game, irrespective of how you're doing, where you are, when you overcome a two or three goal deficit and you manage to get a result from it in a position which you look at it and you think it always seemed impossible. I don't think you really care about what the feeling is like. You feel more on the jubilation of getting a result, which I think it was at that point. The Union had played, had gotten in a really nice little run at four. So I think the feeling was really good. And obviously, Glesner scoring the goal, he did, I think, also. Um, sort of lifted everyone as well. I've got everyone talking, hyped up for a few days. And then just a couple of days later, they went and beat Columbus 1-0. So again, they've started off very strongly. Um, they obviously, they a clean sheet. Another clean sheet, two out of three, two back-to-back home clean sheets. You can't ask for more than that. And they looked for long periods, they looked comfortable. Obviously, Columbus had some good chances towards the end, but they looked comfortable. Um, you saw a good Jameer Montero performance when he scored a very nice goal. But yeah, I mean, obviously at that point, Seven points out of nine of our three games, you're going to take that. You're going to be happy. And I think um, around that point, you're sort of thinking they're going to be solidly in the playoffs. They might have a chance to get first seed. Uh, I don't know. But then obviously moving to the Chicago game, which it was, it was a difficult game to sort of think. Cause you knew you were going to – because Chicago had been struggling, so you were expecting their bounce back. <coughs> but it was – it was such a that was just such a frustrating game well, to watch. Well, can let me can I just touch on something real quick too? So before the Portland game, okay, you had a few games. You had the <coughs> NYCFC game earlier in the year, but you had the Red Bulls game where they gave up twelve set pieces. I remember we were talking to Jim saying this team's giving up a lot of set pieces. You know, is this going to be a problem? He says, you know, some set pieces you can't control necessarily, but we need we do need to limit them as a whole. Okay. So now we're going to fast forward a bit. You're right. The Atlanta game, if you recall, the goal that was scored was Corey was um, against Corey Burke. Well, you had the own goal from Casper for one, but then you had Corey Burke gets beat, um, and they then they go up two two was it two two zero at that point. Yeah. Columbus, like you said, it was it was a great match. They they held strong against a team they often play tough with. But then you get to Chicago. And here's where the problem started to kind of creep out more than what you thought was likely from this team. Because you saw it in Atlanta with Burke. But you're thinking he's not a defender. He's an offensive player. Fine, whatever. He's not a defensive player. Rather. He's not, you know, that's fine. But Chicago, you have the Flock and Mbizo set pieces that are, are just, they just can't stick their man. They can't hold their man. And that's like the beginning of what was seemed to be a three-month trend of are we not good enough on defense anymore? Like, is this is this something that is going to be consistent? You still manage to squeak out of there with a three nothing, a three three draw. But I think I think, and correct me if I'm wrong. Do you feel like this is when the the Union fans began to feel some concern for this for this um, team? No, I don't. No, not at this point. I think obviously, okay. You still come out, you get a point, and you're still in good form. I think at that point, the Union, I think, must have been beaten about ten games. So really. They really hadn't really lost a competitive game in a while. I think, yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. And if you, yeah, they were. That was the ninth game that you had gone unbeaten. They hadn't lost since the game at home to New York NYCFC. 
There was but, no. I feel like there's no reason. There was no reason to feel concerned. You'd qualified in the Concacaf Champions League during that period as well. I think at that point you feel confident. You think, okay, we're still grinding out points on the road. You know, it's difficult to go away in the MLS in one game. So I think. And you had the Quinn bicycle kick there. You had Finley playing well that game. You had Powell playing decent. Well, Patchy, no, that was probably one of Powell's so-so performances. But Finley played great. You mentioned that on, on that after that game, you thought he was one of the best players on the team. That, yeah. that particular day. So I agree with you. I think some fans may have been concerned because it was Chicago and Chicago at that time was on the bottom of the table. Um, but I agree with you. I think, I think you could kind of at least make some arguments that they were still in the right, on the right track. Yeah. Fast forward to Nashville. And I feel like this is one of the ugliest performances of the year. Yeah. Uh, so far. So go ahead. You start your, your run on Nashville. They start the game. What did you think of their first fast first half performance against Nashville? It was, it was. I think it was sort of a game which sort of you just the first half pretty much summed up the entirety of the game where there was there was lackluster. The final balls were poor. The goal they conceded was poor. Players getting dragged out of position. It was just an all-round poor performance. I think it was widely criticised at the time. I don't think people were sitting there worried like, oh, I think we might go on a really poor run of form now. But people were concerned, rightfully so. They were they're frustrated. I think even Jim admitted in the, uh, after the game there was a poor performance. It was probably one of the worst he's seen in a while. And yeah. it, it was a very frustrating last performance. Uh, final balls weren't good enough. Plus, passes going forward weren't good enough. And the Union never really got in the position to actually score. So, I mean, but again, that was the first defeat in nine. So, I think the the optimist in you, the fan in you, the person that's just seen your team not lose nine games, you think it's not really that big of an issue. You you, you do occasionally go on the road, you have a shit game. Um, right. No, I yeah. agree with you. And, and here's – so, I remember uh, I'm looking at the, at, the, at the box score right now. You know, CJ Sapong former union striker that people either loved or hated in the second minute, he scores a goal because you're just, they were just fell asleep on defense. And that was another moment. You're like, man, like this defense is supposed to be, excuse me, this defense is supposed to be the strength of the team. Yeah. This team is supposed to rely on the defense. This team is supposed to suffocate teams on defense. And in my opinion, I thought CJ could have had three goals that match, let alone one. Oh, yeah. And and I've said this before. I, well, I've said this recently about NYCFC. You can argue the same thing about DC United at home. You could argue the same thing about uh, let's see, probably the Revs game. There have been t- times this season where the, the Union have been very fortunate. Yeah, where they oh, should yeah. have gotten beaten worse, but they they were lucky. They kind of just the ball bounced their way. Um, yeah. And now wow. I'm looking at the lineup too. So. I, I was as you were talking previously. And the other ones I, I noticed that Jamiro had consistently been at the eight for majority of the fo- the previous games we've talked about. Fontana was in one game as well, um, but this this game in particular had Gazdag at the eight. So yeah, this is the one. Man. This is the one time where we're like, man, he looks really out of place in that position. Jamiro, who many people thought isn't a ten. That's when people started getting the grumblings. They're like, maybe he should just go back to the midfield and put Gazdag up top of the 10 because that seemed like the more uh, comfortable positions for both. Even yeah. though Jamiro had scored, 
out of the 10 against Columbus, even though Jamiro had been a part of the 3-0 beatdown on Portland out of the 10. But regardless, I think this is the match in particular that people thought, you know what? Gazette clearly doesn't work at the 8. Jamiro, even though he's a great player, doesn't feel that comfortable at the 10. Let's begin the switch. And I believe this is when they switch, and then we go into uh, the Red Bull game after that uh, on 7-8. Now, I have have one thing for you, though, Dave. Early on in the year, we saw the Union play like 17 games. Was it uh, nine games in 17 days? Something like that. What was it? The first few weeks of the season, right? They played all those games in a short period of time. When you play Atlanta, Columbus, and Chicago, you play three games in six days, seven days, right? Yeah. 620 to 626. But then you get the break of one week going into Nashville. And I feel like this team has struggled on breaks. And we'll see that again against DC United. We'll see we saw that again against um against the Revs. The breaks seem to, to kind of hurt this team. But anyway, we're gonna go ahead to New York Red Bulls. Yeah. On seven eight, this is the Matt Freese game with the red, with the red card. What was your yeah. what was your perspective on that game? Now that you've had a few months to dwell on it, I mean, talking about being uh, talking about being fortunate. I mean, that was one of the games where the Union probably should have lost. But yes. I think up until that point, I think it was a good away performance. I think it was a pretty good away performance up until the red card. They controlled New England, no New York. Sorry, they didn't really allow them to have many opportunities. They looked quite comfortable defensively. Then obviously the boneheaded red card where Freeze grabs onto um and drags the striker back after a pull back pass. Right. Um yeah, I think it was one of those games where I think had the union perhaps had eleven men, they could have potentially won that game. They could have I mean, even if they potentially win that game, it could have easily led or sparked to a um we could possibly be talking about a different run of form here. We could even then you had another two points, you know, on thirty four points. You know they're a bit more comfortably in the playoffs. I mean, he, he, I mean it was a frustrating way to obviously have a man sent off, giving over a free goal essentially. But they did well. They battled back, and I think for the last five minutes or so, five ten minutes, they looked the better. They looked the better team. They obviously got the goal, and they looked more likely to score towards the end as well. I think Santos came back on. That was his return from injury, and I think yes, was, we saw just how big of an impact he has buzzing around up front and creating chances. And there was a superb, great cross by Baza, but superb work from Santos. Not only get, um, so not only get free in the box, but to head home into the back of the net. It was a great goal. And I think, the, I think again, that was a game you come away from with the circumstances. You feel positive. This team should have lost. They didn't lose. And the best, one of the biggest sends in the footballers, the best teams, when the best teams don't play well, they don't lose. They, well, the best teams don't play well, they still don't lose. Right, and right, right, right. The union were still doing that. They weren't playing well, but they didn't play well, or they should have perhaps lost, but they didn't. They got a point, and they go on to the next game that's DC United. And this game in particular, in my eyes, gave me some hope. Um, because, you know, you come out of that long break, you play Atlanta, you're down 2-0, you're absolutely freaking dead. You're, there's no reason why you should even draw that game. You pull out a miraculous draw. Fine. Yeah. You know, you play gutsy at home against Chicago or against Columbus. You come back against Chicago and tie that game late. Yeah. So you and then you have the Red Bull game. So not only that, if you if people remember, you know, Glessness or I'm sorry, Freese uh, was starting in net after, right after his dad died, right after his dad had passed yeah. away. So you see this, you know, this this team has an emotional, you know, Kind of oh, yeah. 
I guess, bond there on that particular match. They come back, they, they get the draw, they save Freeze from just an unfortunate event. Uh, and, it, and if people remember as well, Glessness kind of just baby taps his pass back to him, which was just yeah, yeah. foolish. And we've seen this multiple times now from Jacob. He is a bit reckless with his pass back to the keeper. He's a bit reckless with some of his decisions in front of the net. So you go and you put uh, Santos in. And this is this match in particular, Daniel Gazdag played at the top with Casper. Yeah. And not his Jameer, natural position. Not his natural position. Again, we, well, we were saying when we brought him in, we, we knew he could play forward a bit, but we knew he, he was more naturally a 10. Um, yeah. But you put him up top. With Casper, but then Santos comes in and saves the day. But again, you mentioned it already. The team was fortunate. The only reason why they had that opportunity at net was because one of the Red Bull players had gone down with a brief injury. Remember, he falls to the sideline. Bedoya says, screw this, we're still going to play. He gives yeah. the ball into Mabizo. Now they're up. Now they're, I guess, uh, even with, with them, you know, because they had been down a man. And Santos yeah. comes in for a great play. So, again, it was like, yeah, you get the draw, but it was just out of sheer luck that it happened at the right moment. Yeah. Uh, but either way, you're right. They weren't losing games necessarily. So that yeah. is what it is. Come home, play DC United. They get a 2-1 win. Your thoughts on that game? That was a frustrating game because uh, <laughs> they finished the game – or they postponed the game early because um, – of the thunder and lightning, and it works out that the game probably would have finished on time. If, would have finished on time. They'd caught. They'd have missed the thunder and lightning had they just carried on the game anyway. The game got postponed for like two hours, whatever it was. So I missed the end of the game. But again, it was one of those games where it was a tough battle. There was it was a tough scrap. It was a tough battle for the uh, Union. But they, again, they came out with a win. It's a good DC United team. Uh, Bendit created some very good saves to, uh, you know. Keep the union in. in oh, let's keep the union in the game early. There could have easily been a couple of goals down. Obviously, that was a game where Sergio Santos's importance towards the team started to shine a bit more, and it also started to show just how important pace is for a team in the way the union oh, play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you know what I mean, it was a, it was huge. It was a huge. Um, what's crikey, is up? Sorry, Georgian there. Bucks game here. I'm pretty <laughs> sure the punter from inside the zone, like twenty. 20 yard line just punted out to the two yard line. That's what I said. It's like, a 60, <laughs> it's like a 70 yard punt in the first punt of the game. Uh, but yeah, um, sorry, but again, obviously, it showed the importance of Santos. Even for the winning goal was the fact that the Union were able to play a long ball forward. Right. And um, they were able to play just a big long ball forward. Santos managed to la- uh, catch onto the laps of the defenders and get through, beat get through, drive towards the box and just lay it off to Sh- uh, Shabirko to have a comfortable like slot in the ball into the back of the net. It was one that, that was a sort of game where, okay, it was, um, it was some nervy moments, but again, the Union won. There was still some good feel around the team. And again, I think there were cracks that were starting to show, perhaps with the, um, with the sort of the lacking in attack and it just, you just sort of see, you started to see just how important players like Santos is and how, when this team lacks pace going forward, just how dead it can look in attack, just how isolated it can look in attack. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a game where it started to perhaps catch some eyes and just how important Santos was. So it's funny because in this match in particular, you're missing Blake and you have Bendik in net. 
Bendit came up huge. She made Blake like saves that particular match because yeah. there was either they could have easily been down one zero to start right away. They didn't. We saw two things from the Union in that in this particular night. And I was actually in the stands that night, um, yeah. and it was just a great atmosphere for one. It was that was the first Saturday that they had full capacity back, so the the atmosphere was awesome. Yeah, but you. This particular match, you saw two things that the Union can do very well. They can counterattack with the best of them. And the first goal, you, you have the counter set up, I think it was by Bedoya. He gives a great pass to uh, Gazdag, who sets up Santos for, for you know pretty much a one-on-one with the keeper. And you saw how, how great this team can be at that moment. And then that was the first time where you saw Gazdag playing at the 10. And you think... Finally, he's in the position he should be because he had been the forward. He had been the eight. He had been a sub. He had been this, this, and this. Yeah. You finally saw that moment where it's like, okay, I think he's getting used to this club. And then the second goal, like you mentioned, Santos does a brilliant job to get downfield. He sets up a wonderful pass for Casper who just calmly puts it away. The team's up 2-1. The lightning was chaotic. I wish they had just finished those five minutes, but it is what it is. Um but even with them giving up a penalty kick, which seems to be like an issue now with them, they, they can't seem to just stop shooting themselves in the foot. They still did well against a team who is a rival to us, who's still yeah. going to be a tough, a tough matchup to us regardless. So I agree with you. I think, I think you could still have to feel pretty, pretty good about this game. Yeah, exactly. They won the game. Exactly. They won the game. They got three points. That's all you really care about when, uh, you know, it's all you really care about in those sort of situations. But again, Move on to the Orlando game. Well, I think that that game sort of summarised um, the the stuff that's been going on. Really, the lackluster performances, the imp, the just the impotence in attack um, was the Orlando game. Obviously, it was a very poor game. Terrible, terrible first goal to concede, where two players could have. It was just a simple piece of communication. You, the goal doesn't happen with a simple piece of communication. One just says, "By the way, watch the man." Baizo tracks him, or if um, Martinez goes and just tracks the guy, it's job done. And then obviously the second goal again, a free header in the box. And he, he, that I feel like that game sort of uncovered some of the frustrating, um, frustrating signs that we've been seeing from this Union team. And obviously they scored the goal, but it was way too late. Way too late in the game to, you know, get something, although they did have that one effort from McGlynn cleared off the line but I think that was that was the first game where I think people started to really notice the cracks in the team because of how poor the performance was I think beforehand obviously with Nashville um, you let it off you let it off as a one-time thing because you know um, you know okay we we, we haven't lost the game in none we've looked good we look good on the ball at good possession right. so We'll let it go, but I think to see similar things creep up in another loss in the game, which you don't like, that, uh, that last again didn't look any good. Um, do you know what I mean? That's when people started to acknowledge, perhaps catch on to a bit to some of the faults and some of the uh, some of the holes in this team and some of their uh, you know some of their weaknesses. So I, I mean, I think you said it perfectly there. It, it's it was the first goal, you know. The, the mis- I feel like we've said this multiple times with Mumbaizo. You saw it against the Chicago game like we've talked about already. We saw it against Orlando now, and we saw it against, um, oh, my God, was it Montreal? Mumbaizo yeah. has tendencies to lose people, 
and the goals in particular that are of concern are from his side of the field. And this actually the same can be said when Chicago was at, at home as well. The goals seem to come from his side more often than they do from the other side. Yeah. Um, so this this was one of those matches where you start kind of getting concerned with with Olivier and whether how strong he can be defensively. Yes, he offers you so much offensively, but is he the two way player you that you really thought you had? And I, I think the answer to that was more so no than yes. Um, but one one of these things in particular that was concerning or was I guess optimistic was that Casper was still scoring at this point. So Casper yeah. had scored against – well, not scored, but he set up the goal for Chicago for the own goal. Casper scores against D.C. United. Casper scores against Orlando after a beautiful pass from Mbizo, who kind of made up for his error with Jose yeah. previously. So now he scored three – one, two, three goals in five games. He's still playing at a good level at this point. But that, if I remember correctly, is the last time Casper scored was against um, – was against Orlando, and I can't yeah. see a note that we took that, that he scored since then. Uh, but all, another thing that there was some some optimism was, like you said, McGlynn and, and Quinn Sullivan. You kind of saw that they weren't just fluky one or a couple games here or there. They really were sparks off the bench. They they created they provided creativity, and yeah. if Quinn Sullivan doesn't hit the Orlando defender in the face, that's a tie game, and you walk out of or- Orlando with a two two draw. So yeah. it, it it was. It was one of those where at least you felt some optimism towards the end of the game. But then you go to Miami. You go to Miami. On 725, you were playing Orlando 722. So it's only three days later. You go to Miami. And here you think, okay, you're playing a team that should not beat you, even if they're at home. Because Miami, at that point, was at the bottom of the table. They were still kind of uh, (laughs) pretty mediocre. But you come out with a draw. What did you think from the Miami game? Um, I mean, I think I was expecting a tougher game than a lot of Union fans. I think a lot of Union fans are thinking, oh, Miami just got absolutely destroyed in this game. We're going to easily win this game. And realistically, having just been bad and people like Phil Neville, who's fighting for his job, and players are fighting for their position with the team, but they're still being in the transfer window, there was always going to be a big reaction from Inter Miami. And they did have that reaction. They play, I think Inter Miami played quite well. Um, I think the Union, obviously, again, they didn't, the Union didn't exactly play very well in this game either. Um, but yeah, obviously it was uh, Matt Freeze had an absolute howling goal for the uh, for the Miami goal. It was it was poor goalkeeping. Mm-hmm. It has to save it from the tight angle as well. It, it's a frustrating goal to concede, but again, they came out of the game with a draw. Again, it, I mean, it's a frustrating point as well. More of a frustrating point than the point in comparison to the Chicago game, where you think, okay, they showed some good attacking intent. Uh, we, we have players missing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We're still nine games and beating. This is where this is more of a okay game. We weren't very good in attack until when we needed to be good in attack. Um, again, I think this is the, I think that sort of sums Union up as well. Recently, they haven't been cutthroat enough in attack. But they haven't been effective and efficient enough in attack until they have to be when the game's almost out right. of reach or when the game right. is out of reach and they're chasing the goal. We've seen it so often. I think that it was a similar. Approach to this game, the final balls in the first path were terrible. Some of the passes into into Casper and to the strikers were shocking. They, just, they literally had nothing going in attack. Um, 
But again, as you said, the younger younger guys came in. Jack McGlynn, Quinn Sullivan offered a spark, mm-hmm. offered some pace, which again, this team just lacks so much pace going forward. Flack's not really the quickest player on the ball going forward, but Doy is 35, mm-hmm. 34, so he's not really quick. Flack looks like he's going to fall over the ball. I said it on Twitter. He looks like he's so out of control when he's running forward with the ball. <laughs> Jose Martinez should play when Leon Flack plays, is what I'm going to say right now. And then, okay, so uh, that's a couple things here. For one, I was I was incorrect. Casper actually scored against Miami. That was the yeah. last time I believe he scored, not against Orlando. So literally got the faint. Oh no, he literally stuck out a leg and just got the ball over the line. Just got the ball. He just basically got lucky on that one. But yeah, this was a performance when we well, first of all, Miami came to Philadelphia and beat us after being down a goal. So. I feel like people overestimated Miami because you know they have played us tough so far in their time with us, and we've created a bit of a rivalry between this team because they, they just seems to be a very competitive match whenever we play uh, Inter Miami. Yeah. But the the goal against Freese was was tough because you're like, man, if Andre Blake was here, he you might that. you might yeah, you nine out of ten times he's saving that, probably ten out of ten times he's saving that, but he doesn't. You find yeah. yourself in a hole. Quinn Sullivan comes in, has a beautiful give and go with Gazdag. And at that point, you know, you you felt better, a little bit better about Gazdag too. You felt like, okay, maybe he's kind of going up and down, but at least he's having some involvement with the offense. That's fine. Casper, even though he's not playing great, he's still being that, you know, that poaching striker. He's still being able to find the net. Yeah. Whether it's pretty or not, he's still contributing to the goal moving forward. Um, and if you want to look at it this way too, even against, even in the loss against Orlando, even in the draw against <laughs> Miami, you still had a team that was fighting from behind. You still had a team that, no matter what, no matter how, how ugly it looked, you knew they could be in this game, and you knew they could at least earn a point on the road or at home. Yeah. Um, so that there was some optimism there, but it, it was, it was, uh, it was. I think the beginning of, of the concern now because. It's you know it's three it's three games in eight days. You're tired. You still wanted to have a good performance, but you fortunately now are hosting Chicago at home. You think okay, we have Chicago at home. This should be the time we write the ship. It was not. <laughs> what happened in Chicago, Dave? No, but just again, again, I was just speaking about the lack of attacking interest, the lack of confidence in attack. That one-one draw was just. It was shocking for a team of the union, as Jim said. Jim's uh, Jim's press conference this week summed up perfectly. The white, the fact that the union have improved means that their standards have increased. Their standards are higher, and that game just perfectly summarised it. The fact like they played against ten men for a lot of the half, and they just struggled. They just struggled to break Chicago down. Ten man Chicago, and I said it on the podcast afterwards. I was full of praise for Chicago because. They did. They did incredibly well to come out of the game with a point. But again, it was another. It was another formation which Jim used the Christmas tree formation as opposed yes. to playing two strikers up front. Which again, you force Gazdag to play a bit more wide. He's not in his natural position, and I think that's been a big issue for Gazdag as well. Because since yeah. he's been here, everyone's like, "Oh, he's a number ten. Oh, he's a bit versatile." But he's, oh, he's a bit versatile. He can do this, this, and this. But it's clear that his best position is playing behind the striker. And that's the one thing he's barely done since he's been here. I can only count, I could probably count three games maybe he's played in the 10. Because a lot of the time we think the union are playing two up front, but really Corey Burke or Santos or even Shiberko are dropping behind the striker and they're playing the Chris, they're playing like the Christmas tree formation. 
And Garstag again is having to push a bit more wide. He's having to deal with the fullbacks. He's not, you know, playing against the holding midfielder or playing in the pockets of space. Um, I think again that was a sort of game where Garstag struggled to get into things. Uh, obviously, Kyle Wagner scored a very nice free kick in that game. It was awful defending from the defender in the wall to set up. But again, it was a shocking goal for the Union to concede where um, the guy had a free header in the box. It wasn't good enough. And well, here's here's the thing that also was a bit of a bit of an issue. You gave up a goal early again. You're down early. You're down in general again. You're down in, in Chicago. At, or, I'm sorry, at uh, against Chicago. You're down against Miami. You're down against Orlando. You're down against the Red Bulls, Nashville, uh, Atlanta. That's one, two, three, four, five, six matches since they've been back from Portland that they have been trailing up until that yeah. point, entering the first week of, of August. So that was when like, you really sort of question this team's defensive mentality, opening yeah. games and being able to just shut people down. Because I think that's when you saw it starting to, it starting to disappear. Yeah. Well, what, what happened in the NFL game? I'm oh, sorry. Brady just threw a bullet to Godwin. Good. I have Godwin on my fantasy team. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to just – we're just going to briefly go over the Toronto game because that's not what we're talking about here. They crushed Toronto. They absolutely put them in, put them in the freaking grave. It was an amazing yeah. game from Santos. But they looked – like they really could good. be, yeah, they looked excellent. The guys that yeah, played awesome yeah. that day. But as you said, he played his natural position. He played with the pacey striker at front in Santos. And as we said, it created false hope really. But as we said, that was the game we thought the Union were going to turn that corner and they were going to they were going to go and hit a bit of a run of form. And that's sort of where things have gone downhill since then. They've only won one game. Oh, God, and touchdown. Yes, there we go. And But here's the thing is that you – you realize in the Chicago, in the Toronto game, how important Sergio Santos is for this team. You saw it against yeah. Miami. People were screaming, "Bring Sergio in! Bring Sergio in!" And he finally comes in. He makes a difference. You have it against the Red Bulls. He comes in. He makes a difference. Toronto was was the first time where you absolutely understood Sergio Santos is the best player as in, from in the forward position for the yeah. Union, without almost, question. Ooh, almost important, anyway. Yeah, or at least the most dangerous at, in the forward position. Yeah. So you have Club America on eight twelve. So they play a bunch of kids against the Revs. I'm not going to look into that much because you know if Flock does something stupid again, he has a penalty in in, in the box. Santos had played great though. Um, he almost had the the first early goal, but you saw how dangerous it was for him going forward. The, the team still looked competitive. Um, and you had the, the beautiful goal by Paxton for his first MLS goal, and they tie it up. And you think, great, you know, we're gonna we're going to at least get this draw. Flock has a dumb penalty, and it is what it is. Oh, uh, you you mean, couldn't be too upset by it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you say that, and it was a game we can't really look at. But I think this game, for me, we came out of it really positive, thinking, oh, <coughs> the kids played really well, they performed well. But what was most concerning for me about this game was the fact that how. Compare the first half and the second half of that game for the Union. How bright were the Union that first half? They were attacking, oh, yeah. they were creating chances. And I keep saying it, it was the one play that summarizes how important Sergio Santos is to this team and how dynamic he can make this team is the fact that Jack Elliott on the edge of the Union penalty area had the ball and which one ball the Union had a corner because Santos's pace forced the corner. And they at halftime, obviously it was before the Club America game, so yeah. I can excuse Jim for making the changes. You want to keep people fresh, you don't want to 
you don't you don't you know you don't want to lose people ahead of your biggest game in history. So he takes off Santos. Right, we get the uh I know he took off Santos. Who did he take off at half time? He took off Santos and Kai Wagner and Flack at half time. And he brings in Bedoya. <laughs> and then he also took off Martinez, who I thought actually had a pretty good game until that point. And he took off Baizo. And when the starting players came in, when the other starting players came in, Shiberko, Kai Wagner, Team MC, looks stale. and Bedoya, there was no attacking impetus. There was no one going forward that looked dangerous. They literally just collapsed on attack and they created nothing in the second half. And that, I think New England probably started licking their lips when they saw that yeah. um, Santos had gone off because he was causing them how. And then and- again, you, you play a game with one striker up front against Shiberko, with Shiberko. Yeah. And he gets isolated. Yep. He gets isolated. There's no one up with him. He gets the ball. You play the ball and either side of Jubeko is not going to get there. You play the ball to his feet. He's either going to lose it or he's going to struggle to keep hold of the ball because there's no one up to support him. Jubeko is a striker that has to have a player up front with him. Oh, 100%. Which is, why, which is why I was excited to see Davo. I, I'm excited to see Davo play. But the problem is, is this team is consistently down a man or down a goal, which you can't see the way the the union should play when they're consistently in the hole. Yeah. And I, it's, it's been, and that was a perfect example. You know, you, you, you could come out of new England with a draw, but you completely just destroy the flow that they had going into the second half. It was just very frustrating, which is one of the games that people were questioning Jim's decision-making again. Um, but you go to club America, Mombaza gets taken off an injury. Uh, Bedoya really looks, really looked, slow in, in that in that match uh but the team just looked stale they looked they looked they didn't have anything they hadn't they looked like they were the weaker of the two teams yeah. um and then jose obviously the dumb 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 penalty to give them the 2-0 win uh or loss rather from the union oh, that was a disgrace that penalty was a disgrace just the entire i will never forgive martinez for that because that was but, just an absolute disgrace of what he, to not only that she was sat there on the edge of your penalty area with your back, with your back turned to play, mm-hmm. you've got two unmarked players in front of you for the union to play, and he would have absolutely got calls from Elliot and Blake going, "Man on, man on, don't turn," and he still turns. Yep, he still turns into trouble. Not just one player was there; two players were there, and he still turned into the trouble. He got dispossessed, and he did the one stupid thing that you never do when you lose the ball, which is dive in recklessly when you know you're not going to win it, and also about well, the two. The two things you don't do is you don't <laughs> stupidly dive in. You stupidly don't dive inside your penalty area, and you don't stupidly dive in when you lose the ball. And he did both of them, and it cost the union, and it's probably cost them their chances in the CONCACAF Champions League because up yep. to that point they had absolutely controlled that second half in terms of limiting uh, Club America to what they could create, and that just killed the tie for them. It absolutely killed the tie. No, you're absolutely correct, and it, it's one of those things where now the next game coming in, you you. You again. This team is in another hole again, and it, trying to get out of this one is 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 brutal. But but you're still in the MLS contention, the to, the top three spots in the in the Eastern Conference. You come home, despite that huge letdown in Mexico. You come in, you pull off quote unquote from Jim Curtin the best win of the season against NYCFC. Alvis Powell played phenomenal this match. Um, they did get lucky. They did get fortunate. Uh, that they weren't down one zero early again, uh, yeah. but you still—that's how soccer is. Sometimes, sometimes you have to get a little lucky. Yeah. Um, but you, you pull out a great win, and Bedoya finally breaks through, and, and Kai has this beautiful cross from the, with his right foot, and you feel like this team's going in the right direction. But again, right when you think the positive is going forward, Montreal comes to town, 
What happened in Montreal, Dave? Again, it was just, I think it was a similar game to the Chicago game. It was been yes. similar to a few Union games where they lacked. Again, I think the concerns are more going forward than they are defensively. I mean, okay, they haven't kept a clean sheet in a while, but it's the fact that they've got so much, they've got so many talented players in attack, but no one, apart from Santos, no one actually seems to actually seem confident. No one seems to actually look any good in attack going forward. And that's probably the most concerning thing for us is the fact that you haven't really got anyone in attack apart from Santos you can look at and go, right, we can rely on you to help lead the line. And that's what Shibirko has done a lot of the time with the union. He's been so effective. But again, it just everyone seems to lack confidence. They don't seem to have the belief in themselves that they once did. And that's what's most frustrating, really. It's so, so frustrating. So, so the first half was mainly the union playing well. It was weird because Sergio and Burke were both having chances on that. Both had really great strikes in that. You you felt so confident, even though they had the dumb late stoppage time goal against Mirandro, which was a great you know yeah. setup goal from them. The way Jim Curtin described it, it was a stupid goal because. Montreal sets it off from the from the goal kick. It seemed like the goal kick had gone a bit of a bit was a bit misdirected, and that kind of caught the Union off guard. Montreal does a great job to get the ball, push it forward, catch the Union slightly sleeping. Boom! End of the first half, they're up one nothing. Yeah. So now, you I saw people on Twitter saying, "Don't worry, we're fine. We're fine." Montreal gives up a lot of goals. We're gonna go. We're gonna score two goals. We'll be fine. We're we're dominating this game. It doesn't happen. You have to bring in Quinn Sullivan to save the day with his beautiful goal from the from the box. Elliot sets him up perfectly, but even with Santos playing as well as he had, though he was well not well, but he was playing pretty solid. Yeah, no one seemed to want to score in the second half, and it was one of those matches where you're thinking, when can this Union team play a full ninety minutes? Then- well. It, it's, it. all, it's always twice? 45. It, I, mean, I wouldn't even say twice. I mean, maybe maybe once. They've played dominant the entire game. The I Toronto Portland, game and Portland. Portland and Toronto, yeah. Two yeah. games, I think. So regardless, you have a draw at home. It is what it is. You're feeling confident that when you go yeah. to D.C. to play a team that you've handled the last 10 matches, you're going to do well. Yeah. D.C. United was absolutely dreadful. What was the biggest takeaway from the D.C. United loss for you? Um... DC United lost was just the poor defending. Again, they just didn't look like they didn't look interested on the ball. They struggled to actually retain possession that much. It was just a really poor game. All, all in all, it was a really poor game. It was I think that was the game that was probably was the I don't know how to explain it. It was just one it was just such a bad game from start to finish. The fact they even scored was probably they were lucky to get nil, so the fact they scored was sensational. Well, they didn't even score. So the the issue now that you're looking at here is they scored in Montreal late. They didn't technically score against DC United because it was an own goal that Bedoya and Casper had set up. Casper had a nice pass there, but that was basically basically his only bright moment. Um, they didn't score against DC United. <laughs> they didn't score against New England. That's two yeah. matches now they haven't scored a goal in. And the the worst part is they haven't even looked dangerous in either of those two matches. No. That's the most concerning part. So you don't score against East United. You you get absolutely manhandled. And, and Jim Curtin says we haven't gotten our ass kicked like that in years. So it's it's one of those matches where you're like, okay, 
now we ha- now we really have to start worrying because Jim had been preaching going back to basics all week long, and yeah. even with this new formation, even with with things feeling positive, despite the Montreal draw, you look you feel worse now because now you have to play New England with a bunch of teenagers, and Jack Elliott's missing. Yeah. So we talked. We already talked about the England game a bit. I'm just going to touch upon it again to end this so we can bring Paul in and finish up the show. You know, the Jack McGlynn looked the best he's looked in a Union jersey by far. And if Jim Curtin does not play Jack more, you begin to question Jim's rel- trust in the players from last season. Yeah. Because McGlynn looked absolutely dangerous. Sullivan looked good. I thought he looked. I think I still think he's better off the bench, like Fontana, the guy that young spark off the bench. I thought Paxson played fine. I, you know, again, maybe a, a more of a spark off the bench. But McGlynn has now played in three straight matches when Jose Martinez was gone, and played well. Yeah. He comes in against New England and plays very well out of that that back line position. Um, and they look they looked creative and dangerous against New England. And people were saying, Oh my god, who who are these these kids on the field playing so well? And it came from him first and foremost. Even Flock, who had his who had his kind of downs on the offensive and was still contributing, moving forward and, and playing well. The, the offense looked good. Um and then <coughs> New England gets a red card and you think, okay, finally, they're gonna tie this game up. They're gonna they're gonna at least come out of here with a draw. They can't do it, and it's the second time now where they've been up a man for a considerable amount of time, and they, they look yeah. unable to put anything away. So we've discussed now the last three months of the MLS season with the Union. I think the few things we can agree on is the team is not mentally prepared defensively to start the yeah. matches. They are maybe physically unable to mark a man when it matters most. And mentally, I think they're just – not confident enough in the in the final third, no. and and it's too much. I'm just going to cross it in and let somebody else deal with it. I'm just going to shoot it forward and let somebody else deal with it. There's no accountability. There's no let me take this, let me take this shot that we've seen from Sullivan, that we've seen from Paxton, that we've seen from Santos at times. There's no accountability on offense to take it no. and give it a chance. When you have defensive players having more shots on goal than your than your offensive attack, that that falls on Jim. That falls on 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 the, the players individually. And the only yeah. way this team can fix themselves before Club America is it has to come from Jim holding these players accountable. Put Bedoy on the bench. Put Gazag on the bench. They're not performing well enough. Let the people who are performing get a chance to make a difference. Yeah. What do you think that can be done in 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 six days? To fix this team, what would you after our review, our giant review we just did? What do you think is is the biggest takeaway this team can can see from those three months? Well, as you said, um, need accountability and things like that. And it's a big game against Club America. Jim really highlighted that this this team needs to start fast. They've got to get on the front foot fast, and they've got to try and get an early goal to perhaps try and take control of the game in Philly. This is that's he wants them to do the complete opposite that they've been doing these last these yeah. last couple of months. Because they've they've been conceding the early goal, they haven't. They think they may have scored the early goal maybe once or twice, but they've conceded the early goal plenty of times. They yep. said they've fallen behind plenty of times, and the fact now Jim wants them to go on the front foot, start to dom- dominate his game, and it's a tough ask. It's going to be a very tough ask for them to 
for him to you know get them going. So I mean, again, as you said, hold, as you said, holding players accountable. Um, but again, I don't think dropping Gazdag solves anything because you still lack that creative player in the ten. And I, I don't really know what our formation is anymore because people say we play the diamond, but it also sort of feels like we play the Christmas tree. I so like playing... I, I liked your idea of the uh, the 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 sole striker and the three behind him. I thought that yeah. was the best idea. I thought they looked better in that formation, which is what we saw recently. Yeah. Um, I don't okay. know. I mean, before we bring Paul on, what do you think the formation should look like? Not what it's going to look like. What do you think it should look like against Club America? You should go the forty-three-one. Play Santos up front, uh, yeah. and then you have Gazdag in the turn. Okay. And then whoever plays out wide, it could be Davo for all I care. Have have a player with pace out wide. Even I like play, Davo. Or even play Bizo as the right wing, as like the right attacking right winger, and play Power at right back. Because you yeah, know, you okay. know what you get with Bizo. Bizo can put a good cross in the box. Bizo can get into good places uh, in attack. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, just there's so many things. Obviously, you can sit Flack and Martinez in front of the back four. And then obviously, you, oh, you can stick Michael in there, and then you prevent having to have Flat get into all these different off uh, attacking positions. And you can give Martin, uh, Martin as more license to go forward and perhaps take a few more risks in the opposition can I, half. Can I stop you right there? I think you just said it right there. If you put McGlynn in the same spot he was last match, in, in on the two in front of the four, and you put Davo where Flock was, I don't doubt in my mind that they score at least one goal or two goals in that first half. Because Leon had chances, but he's just not good enough offensively. If you put yeah. someone that's skilled in that position, I think you, I think you get a goal. So I th- you have to give Davo well, a chance. You have to give somebody a chance that's not so limited offensively. Well, say so you could give, you could put Davo in there, or you could even, um, you can even put, you can drop Flack into him again. McGlynn played if he drops McGlynn, in, and you can have you yeah, can have Flack sit, and you can just tell Martinez. You can have the creative freedom to go forward. You be the box to box guy where when you do get on the edge of the box, try and play a risky pass. You can try and shoot because we know there it's not going to hurt us as opposed to doing it on the edge of our penalty area, which is what he does quite often. That's um, very true. But yeah, that's sort of my summary of things. Well, we have a lot to discuss after the Club America game. Uh, there's a lot of things we got to work on with this union team, but I, I do want to bring on Paul. He is a writer of for us with all about or all authentic talk sports network aat sports network so i'm going to add him to the stream right now what's going on guys there you go what's up what's up paul how you doing man i'm doing pretty good uh before we begin i just want to shout out your union uh this show because i i go to union games and all but like i don't really have like a good knowledge of them i just want to say you guys help me out a lot Oh, Thank to... you, man. We're, we're trying our best. You know, it's it's one of those. I mean, I, I know where you see from the writers chat. You know, we always mm-hmm. try to push the union are the best team in Philly. You know, you have to watch the union, yeah. but they they're a fun squad. Whether mm-hmm. they're up or down, they they the games. I mean, you've been to Super Park. Yes. Yes, how how would you describe the environment at Super Park compared to a Sixers game or an Eagles game or a Flyers game? I'd rate it. If not the best, it is. If not the best, it's definitely top two out of all the stadiums in Philly. Yeah, it's it's just different, you know. Go ahead. I I always sit in the supporter section with my friend who has season tickets, so like it's just it's just a vibe. I know. (laughs) I love it. I love it. 
I've been, I've been telling Dave he has to come over soon uh, yeah. from England and finally Absolutely, you yeah. know join us in the I usually sit in one in the one thirty one one thirty section so right in front of the away supporters yeah you know you're right next to the supporter section it's so loud there I've I've been to Eagles Dallas I've been to Eagles Giants that's obviously a whole different type of atmosphere but yeah yeah. You you come to these games at at Subaru Park and you're standing on your feet for 90 minutes. The crowds, yeah. you know, just so into every single moment. Um, it's it's unlike anything else. So I appreciate the kind words. I'm glad. Hopefully you Crystal. you can continue to be a, a Union fan with us and, and follow <laughs> the show. But we are bringing you on to talk about the English Premier League, uh, some EPL talk, which I'm not a huge. I don't have a lot of knowledge on. I know Dave is more familiar with the English side of the ball. So. You know, where did your did your love for EPL start from? I know you're a Manchester United fan. Where did this passion for the international uh, soccer begin? Um, to be honest, I know this might sound a little funny, but I was playing FIFA with my friends one day, <laughs> and it was like FIFA 13, FIFA 14 a while ago, and we both randomized teams. Like we hit random teams, and I landed on Manchester United, and I just loved how they played. So I was like, you know what? Why not try to watch it more, try to yeah. learn the game? Because I was trying to get into sport of football or soccer, whatever you like to call it. And I started watching them every weekend. And now it's just I can't get all – like I wake up at 7.30 a.m. on Saturdays to watch them. It's, <laughs> it's rough, but got to do what you got to do. So, no, I, I agree. I, I've never been someone to watch. I feel like I've always had something else to do. I have a kid, so it's always been busy, but mm-hmm. – you know, when I have been able to catch an early morning EPL game or, or any sort of international uh, football match, the level of play is just, you know, Incredible. it's on another world. I was telling – so Dave um, does media work for Gillingham uh, out in England in, in – was it Dave? League One, right? Yeah, I, I, League I, One, yeah. I always forget. So, I mean – I, 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 anytime I can catch a match like that, it, it's watching the difference in plays is outstanding. What would you say is the biggest difference between a league like EPL and MLS? Or, you know, why is it so, such a higher level? Um, that's a good question. One thing that I really know is the difference is the promotion money. Yeah. Money is <laughs> that's the sole reason. That is the sole reason. And also, yeah. I, I'd say promotion and relegation. Uh, that's something I really want. I know it'd be hard for the MLS to establish, but yeah. I think it'd be great. I'm I'm personally a, I know there's some people who don't support it, but I I'm a supporter of it. Now I I know just from growing up, you know, as a soccer fan, you know, Arsenal was always such a big franchise when I was younger. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the table right now for for the EPL. They're at the bottom of the table. I know it's only three matches in. I'm not going to get too carried away, but I've been hearing it across the board on Twitter, on, on from talking to my friends who are are you know EPL supporters. They are not looking good right now. What have you seen from them? Have you have you watched any of their matches so far? What, what's wrong with a team that has a decent history coming into uh, when we were growing up? I haven't personally watched any of their matches. Actually, I did. I watched the first match of the season against Brentford. Okay. And I, if I remember correctly, just got dominated. I believe it was, <laughs> I believe it was two nil. Yeah, I could be. And Brentford just came up from the championship, which is the second tier in England. So it was a shock to me. If I was a betting man, I, I would put, I would have put money on Arsenal. But now I guess you never put money on Arsenal because they're just a dumpster fire right now. 
So Dave, I mean, you, you always tell me with EPL and with this, this level of soccer it comes down to money. Why yeah. is this team struggling? You would think that they have the financial ability to do, it. I mean, the, to someone who like myself, who was really a novice in terms of that side of the, the, you know, yeah. the pitch, what is the problem here if, if they have the money or if they should have the money? Well, I was just going to go back to uh, obviously Paul's point of saying like Everton thought Arsenal would win right. uh, that first game. I mean, over here, it was seen as probably the least surprising shock in Premier League history. Like, <laughs> I thought Brentford, I thought Brentford were going to win that game. I really did think they'd win the game. Because so I thought Arsenal, going off the back of last season, no one actually knows the style of play that Arsenal have. Like, uh, I've been very critical of Mikel Arteta because I just don't think he has a style of play. He had a successful style of play in the uh, in when he when he took over from Unai Emery a few years ago when he won the FA Cup. He played sort of like a B tech, sort of a a lesser version of what Chelsea do, where they play the five at the back, and it worked. They got they beat good teams like Liverpool. They won the FA Cup. They won the Community Shield playing it. And then he went back trying to play his own style of play last season. It didn't work. They came eighth. And again, they're still trying to work through that style of play this season. And it's not working. Arteta doesn't have a game plan. doesn't have a style of play. And clearly, I mean, obviously some of the players just aren't good enough for Arsenal. But then the way he wants to play, but he just doesn't, just appears to have done a game plan. It's similar to Union really at the moment where they lack any like attacking impetus. The players just don't, they just don't look good going forward. They just, that's the thing with Arsenal. It's not they. They lack a game plan. They don't look. I just obviously, I think I've just summed up. They don't have a game plan. They look very poor when they do play, and it's just clear that they don't really know what they're doing when they are on attack or when they're on the ball. Now, in terms of the regulation, uh, uh, reg- oh my gosh, I'm losing my my train of the relegation. Excuse me. In terms of the relegation right now, you know they're they're at the bottom of the table. Are, are yeah. when teams do get promoted. You know, or the teams that go back and forth. You know, how competitive are they when they do? They go from the second division to the top division, or, mm. or how frequent does it happen that teams just consistently go up and down, up and down, like on a consistent basis? Well, there's definitely a few teams that do it consistently. Okay. Uh, Norwich won them. Norwich have bounced up yeah. and down the Premier League for the last couple of seasons, few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you do see. Obviously, I think at this moment in time, as you said about relegation, way too early to be thinking about relegation at the moment. Like. Maybe about 10, 15 games in, you start to look at it. If a team like Norwich has like three points after 10 games, you start to feel a bit concerned. But as you said, like there are some teams who do make big waves. I mean, uh, Wolves are one who a few years ago, they got promoted. Again, they had a lot of money. Again, they had a lot of money. And yeah. I say a lot of money, I mean, they probably spent the most money a team in the Championship has ever spent. Um, they pretty much, if they didn't get promoted, it would have been disgraced that year. They came up and they got into the Europa League, which is sort of like, Obviously, Mike, have you heard of the Champions League? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a second-tier Champions League. They got into that in their first year back in the Premier League after being away for a decade almost. Mm-hmm. So, again, that was like that was seen as this fantastic achievement. But when you look at it, the deeper layers of it, they kept a lot of their team who had actually come from Champions League teams in the Championship in the second division. So you just weigh that for a second. They kept a lot of players from that from that tier they got the they had a player called Diogo Jota who's now starting for Liverpool playing in the championship they've got multiple um what's it called they've got multiple they had multiple Portugal internationals when they first come a real example you can look at and go yeah they got promoted and they did really well there were a few teams that do well and they they struggle a bit in their first season and they sort of they blossom in their second season a team like Southampton was a very good example of that when they when they came back up 
But yeah, I think it, it fluctuates year to year. You might have you might have a lot of teams. You might have a couple of teams that go straight back down, but then you might have a couple of teams that comfortably stay up. So I think again, there's always that perfect balance. I feel with the promotion and relegation side of things. Yeah, it's 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 a cool system that they have in place. I mean, I, I, you mentioned it earlier, Paul. Like, I don't know if MLS could ever get to that point. I mean, I think they're they're just they're too far ahead of the leagues below them, like the USL and all that stuff. I, I, I don't think it would work anytime soon, but um, it would certainly make it more interesting if the San Jose Earthquakes could get could get relegated, or you know, it would make it more concerning for the Union. Because it's like, oh crap, are we, this is is this going to be the year where we just implode and get sent down um but you know you obviously the, one of the teams at the top of the table right now is your club manchester united so what have you seen from them for the first three matches so far how do you think their season's going to go based on what you've seen so far uh i'm really really excited for this season they've had a fantastic transfer window they brought in Jaden sancho they brought in rafael varan they brought in ronaldo a few weeks ago um to be, I've been waiting for this moment for a while because ever since Ferguson left, the club has just gone downhill. They had David Moyes, Louis Van Hall, Jose Mourinho tried to rebuild, and now um, Solskjaer's taken over. And I think the owners, the Glazers, who are the owners of Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're they're hated. Um, I want I, I'm not gonna. They're hated by United supporters because. <laughs> They just – they never it's – it's a whole long story anyway. But, I mean, what they've done this summer when transfer window, it's not going to get anything better, but I guess that's what they're trying to do. I'm just – I'm excited for the future. Ronaldo's back. I don't know. So, I, I'm going to keep talking about that. I'm so excited for him to be back. So, I mean, that has to be just the biggest buzz in general. I mean, from him being gone now for such a long stretch of time to him back. I mean, what do you expect? What are your expectations for for the club now with him back on the roster? Top two. If you don't finish top two, top three, it's a disappointment. And Ali needs to get a trophy or he could be in trouble. Dave, do you agree with that? Top top two, something has to um, significant happen? They have to win a trophy, but I don't think they'll get top two. I don't think they're now, better here's than a- Chelsea, I'm saying. So here's an interesting note from uh, one of our followers, Jose. Manchester United, much like PSG, have ruined their wage structure with Ronaldo coming in. Do you guys agree with that, with the financial side of things? Do you think all this is going to be an issue for them mm. down, the, down the line? I wouldn't say they've ruined their wage structure because a team like Man United have quite so much income that yeah. they'll always be okay. But, I mean, obviously we've seen with teams like Real Madrid, Barcelona, where they've got no money now, they're going they're close to going bankrupt. It's the fact these teams in Spain have relied on the Spanish government to give them so many loans not to recover the money or not to help them, not to help their financial situations. They get these loans to help for their, um, to help build upon their revenue. They use it for their next financial uh, venture as opposed to, you know, helping settle debt, which is why Barcelona, obviously, who have no money at the moment, they couldn't afford to keep Messi. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Messi was like a million dollars a year. And if you looked at Barcelona, if you, I don't know if Paul, you've, you saw the breakdown of Barcelona's wages. Mm-hmm. It was like ridiculous. Like someone like Serginio Dest, who, because barely played, he's like 21 years old, does an over 100 grand a year. And you think, yeah. no disrespect, he should be on like 30, 40, 50 grand a year. And you see players like Griezmann, who's on almost a million as well. Um, it's insane. These teams, these teams in Spain who are calling for the reason the Super League came out is because Real Madrid and Bar- Barcelona have no money, by the way. Um, and Juventus. And if you look at the track record of the last three teams that have Messi and Ronaldo, 
they've got no money because again, obviously it's broken the wage structure, but I think a team like Man United is a lot different because they have other streams of revenue. They don't have to rely upon loans from governments and the banks and things like that. So I think it'll be right for United. But as um, there's quite an interesting point that with free, through search, shirt sales alone, United have essentially awesome. made their money back on the transfer fee already. So you mentioned the Super League. I know that had been touched upon, and I think over the summer and stuff of like that. If they had gone through, what do you what impact do you think that would have had on the world of soccer as a whole? Massive. In what way? I know there's a lot of negatives, obviously. To um, what was your initial th- concerns or thoughts of it as as all I, that kind of came to light? I was not happy at all. Um, like majority of supporters, it was. I think it was just owners trying to get more rich. And that's all I know. Reports came out that if teams join the Super League, some international players would be banned from playing for the World Cup teams, if I remember correctly. Yeah. It just would have caused a whole downfall and mess on the world of football, soccer. Yeah. How about you, Dave? What, would, what were your thoughts on all well, that? I know you had some uh, strong opinions on it. I didn't really look at it from a global standpoint. I looked at it from an English standpoint of the English pyramid. And the reason why the Premier League is so great and why English football is so great isn't because of, you know, the Premier League. It's because of the overall footballing pyramid. There is no, there's no footballing system like the English game. You don't like, if, I think there was a comparison drawn between like, um, bet, okay, essentially the, um, the Super League was football's equivalent of the of the NFL, basically. It would have been the equivalent yeah. of the NFL. No relegation, no nothing. TV deals, everything. But it would have ultimately led to the collapse of English football because either the biggest teams were the left or the money would have become so significant that it would have essentially been those top six or seven teams on their own and everyone else below them would have been... It would have created such... Obviously, the Premier League's a bit messed up already, um, disproportionate, but... Um, it would but, have created so much more. It would have been even worse. It would have ultimately led to the destruction of the English pyramid. Ultimately, what props the English ultimately props the English game uh, Premier League up. Without the foot, without the football league, without the English pyramid, without the supporters that go week in week out, mm-hmm. the English game wouldn't. The Premier League wouldn't be as exciting as it actually is. So, but, uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'm going to agree with Jose a bit here. It would have been a collection of the best teams similar to the NFL, the, just the best of the best playing at the highest level. Would that not in a way, in, I guess from my, from the American side of things, would that not increase viewership? Wouldn't that maybe make it no. more interested in matches? I mean, no. or do you it'd think be it would shit. have been, why? Be shit. But what's the point? It'd be there would shit. No, be the like no positives it'd... come out of it? That's, that's I no, guess, the devil's advocate. S- it would literally be the same games being played over and over and over again. Okay. What's the point? That Then it takes the way the comp- – and it completely takes away from the speciality of the Champions League, mm-hmm. which is when we do see these teams from across Europe come together and play against one another. Like, obviously, Paul, you're a Man United fan. I'm sure you follow the Champions League. Yeah. Like the hype when you see teams like Man City play Real Madrid, mm-hmm. Chelsea play Barcelona, or Man United play Barcelona, Juventus. It's sort of the hype around that. It's so big. When you see it week in, week out, it loses its touch. It'll get boring, won't it? Yeah. And that will just completely take point. away from the Champions League. And it will get boring. And teams like... Teams like Arsenal, Spurs, Tottenham being in it, they'd got beaten five, four or five nil every week, and then their fans would lose interest. It was just a bad idea, which was made to make money, and it, it sucks. It sucked. Oh, sorry, Gronkowski just stole a touchdown from Chris <laughs> Go on, have Gronkowski. There you go. Mm. <laughs> um, now, 
Now, I, I mean, Paul, I mean, you know, Man United obviously is the team you're following. Mm-hmm. They seem like they're going to have a lot of problems. Any of the clubs in particular in the EPL that, like I said, for a team, a player, a person like me who's who only watches it casually, is there a team to look out for that excites you that maybe could make a run to the top of the table? What, what's another team that maybe is a sleeper even in, in the standings right now? Uh, one team that I'm probably going to get shelled on by any big <laughs> European guys that I would I would say leads. I know United, Man United and Leeds have a massive rivalry that goes way back. But Leeds is – I think Leeds could be exciting. They just got Daniel James from Man United, actually. And I love Daniel James. It's kind of – I don't know. But I think he'll fit perfectly in the Leeds system. So Leeds could be one. Uh, I know Tottenham are at the top. Yep. And, but I think they could be a team to watch out for. Finally, Kane said he's going to stick – and I think they're finally building a good squad. I'm trying to think of other teams. Yeah, how about you, Dave? Do you think any any team in particular that maybe um, has piqued think, your interest? I think Leicester, obviously. I think Leicester are always oh, up and about there. But Leicester. I think some of the signings I've made this season have been quite good. Dakar, obviously, is going to is waiting to make his moment and break into the first team. He's going to be an exciting player to watch for them. Um, them getting Harvey Barnes back is going to be huge. Uh, he was vital for them last year. And when he did get injured, it also coincided with a bit of a drop in form for Leicester. Um, he was quite an important player. I'm also interested to see how West Ham do when the Europa League comes yeah. out. I was they they've right great, there. Yeah. They've had they've had a great start to the season, obviously. They had a great year last year against all the odds. And I don't know, obviously, mate, obviously Paul's a May United fan. He'll look at David Moyes in like a probably a more <laughs> negative way. But as a general football <laughs> fan, I'm so happy to see Moyes get back to where he is because he is a very good manager. He's a very, very good manager who did fantastically on limited resources at Everton to even get them competing for the Champions League in Europa League and Cup every year. And the, the other team I'm interested to see and how they do is Brentford. I think they won't come anywhere near the European places, but just to see how high they come and what they do do against the bigger teams this year. Because they've had a good start. They've picked up five points. They've yeah. um, obviously went to Villa, who also spent big this summer. So, I mean, yeah, I'm interested in Brentford. I think those are the sort of teams that pique me interest. I have a soft spot for Burnley. I do quite like Burnley. So, <laughs> I'm interested to see how players like Maxwell Cornet do for them, Connor Roberts. So, yeah, those are the sort of teams I keep So, so Dave, I mean, we, we've been talking about the Union for, you know, obviously this past year. What team do you think in the EPL, maybe, and even Paul, maybe you know, what team in the, in the EPL do you think matches the Union style or matches their way their system the closest for people maybe who want to get into the bill and try and try to find a team to latch on to that's a good question and it's, it was kind of like that's off the fine. cuff to put you guys on the spot there but i was just you know just figure because you know some people say well I, I don't live in england i don't live in there how can i support a team that i don't i don't really have a connection to and then we've had sam dave's friend on here before how we mentioned there's no there's no like youth development necessarily on, on those clubs, it's more so the money side of things. So yeah. it's hard to get a, an uh, attachment well, to these clubs. It's funny you mentioned Sam because he's a Wolves fan. I think the Union are quite similar to the way the Wolves play. They're quite conservative. Uh, they're quite a conservative team. They like to keep possession and they do like to play not counter quite a counter attacking style. But they like to play um, obviously again. They like to play sort of a slow build up. Or when they do hit get the ball, they like to build up the pitch quickly and it's not a counter-attack. They have a varying style of play, but they're mainly more conservative, a bit more defensive. And I think that somewhat summarises the unit probably best. Wolves, maybe. Um, maybe a team like... No, not Southampton. I'm trying to think maybe Villa, actually. Aston Villa. I think they might end up 
with the players they've got now, they might end up trending towards more of a possession-based, um, more of a possession-based sort of team. But in recent years, I think maybe it's perhaps what the Union have perhaps struggled with this season. And we've seen is that they're a team that likes to you know sit back and hit teams in the counter-attack and build up their play, which obviously the Union do like to do. We've seen them struggle. We've seen um, obviously we've seen the Union struggle when they have to come up against teams that sit back and don't like to attack. Yeah, they've struggled to attack themselves. So I think uh, Aston Villa in the last couple of seasons have somewhat emulated that a bit, but maybe they change that. Maybe their style of play changes this year with the big signs that they should have made. But I think perhaps Aston Villa and Wolves are potentially the two teams you could resonate with the most. I know one of my one of my buddies from you know the online atmosphere told me you know follow the Spurs that that's a team that's really fun to watch and obviously now they're you know obvious you know at the top of the table so I've I've always tried to you know maybe not follow a team I don't think I could ever have a connection to another soccer team mm-hmm. like I do with the Union just because of where I'm from and and the way they have the academy but you know you always want to have some dog in the fight so it, th- those those teams you mentioned right there dave i think you know are good for people who are are trying to expand their soccer horizon like i am yeah. and and go to the, the best league in, in in the world arguably so it's 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 great that we're actually talking about this and, and getting you know some exposure out here for for epl for the union fans who who want to talk about it as well i know you see jose chiming in people love it people talk about it all the time um and i know paul you mentioned on our on our show last wednesday you might be writing about it too might be covering some of the teams for uh, for the network Possibly, uh, I'm. I'm actually. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I think soccer, football, is a is a sport that deserves. It's one of the top sports in the world. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it'd be great. So, you know, as, as most people know, we have expanded to AAT Sports Network, which is helping to cover more sports and, and expand our horizon in that way. So hopefully, Paul, we do uh, – get to see some of your work, at least have you back on again, maybe further into the EPL season to see, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. what, what's happened over the last few months as, as the seasons progress, who maybe Arsenal is now in the shitter again. So we'll see, <laughs> we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, but we're going to close up the show. Paul, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have you on again oh. soon to talk, to talk about uh, the premier league. And I know you're also going to be with me on an episode of Barrera's Bucket, the shirt that I'm wearing tonight to talk about the Yukon Huskies. Yes, I'm a, sir. I already, I've been showing Dave right here. I'll show you. Yeah. I just got notes on notes on oh, notes wow. of college basketball. So we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> um, so you'll be on with me uh, in a few weeks for sure. But Dave, let's Perfect. wrap up the show with some sponsors sure. and get ourselves paid and cool. watch some football, some American football. Yeah. Before we, uh, before we obviously wrap up to the sponsors, I want to give a shout out to my team, Junigam who I will be covering this weekend up at the stage. And we've got Burton Albion away. Not the sexiest game, sort of games, but I'll be at Burton this Saturday where other people will be watching Ronaldo make his debut against Newcastle. <laughs> I will be in I will be in Burton covering the team. Hopefully we can get our first away win the season. And Should I put money on them? The don't put money on Don't put money on us. <laughs> don't put money on us. It's, it is, it's one of those games because it easily ends a draw. But um, obviously I'm going there. Hopefully we can get our first win the season. Well, first, sorry, not first. First away win the season, and you know, big. I'm excited. Excited to get back out there. We had our last game postponed because of the international break, so I'm looking forward to getting back to back to what back to being at a stadium with the gels after awesome. two weeks off. Awesome, man. Yeah, good stuff. And you, your team won me money last time, so I'm gonna keep track of them. I might play some some money on them this week. I'll keep you posted. But let's wrap the show up. Dave, go ahead with the sponsors. 
Awesome. So obviously we'll start off with uh, one of our main sponsors, Manscaped. So if you're looking for the perfect gift for your man, why not get him the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0? You heard that right? The Lawnmower 4.0. You get 20% off plus free shipping with the codes AATBIRDS at manscaped.com. Imagine surprising yourself with, uh, sorry, imagine surprising your man with sleek, well-designed, optimized body hair trim that says your balls will thank you. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code AATBIRDS. Now our second one is Ozjam. So Odds Jam is the number one software platform for sportsbook bandits, people like myself and Mike. Obviously, it's not available for me in the UK, but still. The software shows the software shows you how to make risk-free cash off the likes of FanDuel, DraftKings, and other sportsbooks with the arbitrage calculator. So never lose a bet again and sign up today at oddsjam.com. The next one is Statement Games. You can check out Statement Games for a fun new way to, to play fantasy sports and also entertainment. You can win gift cards and prizes and much more, and it's free. So make sure to sign up today at statementgames.com. There's also 99jerseys, 99jerseys.com. You can get 20% off the next order by using the discount code AATBIRDS20. You can check out the wide selection of kick-ass jerseys, your favourite sports, movie characters, and throwback jerseys of your favourite stars. So again, order at uh, 99jerseys.com today and say 20% off by using the discount code AATBIRDS. And also as well, as Mike was just saying just there with his new T-shirt of... Um, the Barrera's buckets he's wearing right now. You can get all your across the pitch gear, your Barrera's buckets gear, and everything on the um, AAT. All about the on the all about the birds website. So go to aatbirds.com/shop, and you can get everything. There's a dupe. There is t-shirt. You can literally get everything, any um, you know, any merch from any of our shows. So make sure you know to go across aatbirds.com/shop and just take a look and see what you like. Like uh, I know nice Johnny's been. Yeah, I know yeah. Johnny's been designing some other cool, some other cool sort of uh, t-shirts and other merch, and then also obviously with the AAT Birds social media, make sure to follow, like, subscribe, and share. All all about the birds slash um, all is all authentic talk sports social right. media platforms for the greatest and latest content on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. If you missed the show, you can catch any of our content on YouTube, Apple Podcasts. You can rewatch our podcasts on Facebook and Twitter as well. And also subscribe to get notified. Um, and obviously for content and leave us a review. Let us know what we're doing great, what you like, what you're enjoying, and also let us know what perhaps we could be doing better. Um, obviously, as a thank you all for joining us this week. If you have, if you have joined us with the NFL kicking off, I know obviously... Uh, a long, long months. Um, I'm, I know it's going to be. I know a lot of people are going to be sat in front of their TVs watching the game. But uh, you know, thank you everyone that's joined us this week. And if you are watching us on catch up, thanks for uh, you know keeping up to date with us. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Go Union. Go Union. Attention, listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code AATBIRDS. Ready for an out-of-world experience, fellas? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off in not only the USA, but Canada, UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, 
Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag to hold your whole solar system. First, scheduled for liftoff, new Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer. This spaceship is here to guide you on a journey to trim your body, balls, butt, and even Uranus. This fourth-generation trimmer also features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch, can engage a travel lock, and is even waterproof. The Lawnmower 4.0 also has a 4,000K LED spotlight you can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave throughout your travels across the universe. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker, it's like having a little astronaut to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Don't forget to use Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and their Crop Reviver to help your little planets be on their A-game while feeling the sun's heat. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Abort hairy balls and buzz lightyear that woody with Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code AATBIRDS at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code AATBIRDS at Manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you.